When you are broken and you are hurting and you have no clue how to walk through something, he does not abandon you. He stays with you. He holds you together. And scripture tells us that he will never, never leave you. Never, never, never forsake you. And that is a hundred percent absolutely true. Even when you can't quote it, (laughs) even when the words fly, it is still true because his truth is true no matter what, even in your darkest hour, for sure. You're listening to episode 76 of the God-Centered Mom podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Stacy Thacker. You may recognize her name as co-author of the book, Hope for the Weary Mom. She also writes over at stacythacker.com. Today, she and I are talking about the topic of grief and how do you grieve the loss of a parent or a loved one and still do all the daily tasks of being a mom. Stacy shares a little bit of her story and even some current events that have happened, um, some medical issues that have come up with her daughter and how she even walked through that, having to be at a hospital and take care of one child when other children need you. What I also love about our interview is all the tips she gives to those of us who are friends of someone who's grieving and what to do and what is the most helpful thing we can do in those moments when uh, they just need space and time to heal. Now, Stacy and I don't mention it in the interview, but I wanted to make sure to point out uh, on Stacy's site, stacythacker.com, she has a page uh, titled My Journey Through Grief and Loss, and there you'll find several different posts where she processes through this journey. So make sure you check that out. I put a link in the show notes. So let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Stacy, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Thanks, Heather. I'm so I'm so glad to be here. I'm, I'm just kicking myself that it's taken this long. That's what I'm. That's what I'm upset about. Because it's okay. You've been one of my online friends for I think since the beginning, really. Right. I, I think I think we go way back. We go. We go in blog years. It's like decades, right? It's decades. It's, it's decades. decades. And um, just one of those kindred people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I know all y'all don't do online stuff. A lot of the listeners aren't bloggy people, but um, one of the things I love about God bringing this ministry to me is that the people who choose it, the people I've met, really love Jesus a lot and mm-hmm. and also love the craft of writing or speaking. And so there's a lot of um, commonality. There's the kindredness of the Holy Spirit and, and Christ in us, and and then this commonality of of a hobby or a ministry. And so really like you, Stacy. So thankful for you in my life. Yeah. The feeling is totally mutual. I realized that, that this writing world has brought some really sweet women into my life who I wouldn't have met otherwise. So I am crazy about you, Heather, and I love your ministry and how you continually love on moms and women through your um, encouragement. So Wow. You are a gift to me as well. So thank you. Well, I think we all need each other to keep going, right? And even right. if it's not something people see online, even if it's in our personal lives, and I think um, it was what I've watched and walked through with you in the last few years that um, kind of spurred me to ask you to come on the show at this point. And um, before we get into all of that, I'd really love for you to introduce anyone who's not familiar with you, um, introduce them to your family. 
I would love to. Well, my name is Stacy Thacker. You can find me at stacythacker.com. That's the best place to find me. I am married to my husband, which is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Mike, and we've been married for 21 years, which just I can't even believe it's been that long, yeah. but 21 wonderful, crazy, awesome years. We have four girls, mm. which is kind of the flip of Heather's world. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She has the boy thing going. I have the girl thing going. Yeah. Um, our girls range in age from age 15 on down to five mm. and two in the middle at 12 and nine. Mm. We live in sunny central Florida and we've been here for 12 years. So um, I'm originally from a very small town in southern Indiana. Yo. I, I know. I grew up in the Hoosier State. I went to Indiana University. My husband and I met through a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. Ooh. We were both involved at, I know, our prospective colleges and met on a summer project in 1991 in Ocean City, New Jersey. Mm. And we... Um, we dated long distance without, you know, before email. So, you know, it was true love. It was yeah. high phone bills and lots of driving. And um, we've been married for 21 years and raising our girls here in Central Florida. And, yeah. Um, life is full. It is very full. <laughs> <laughs> it's very full. And you cut, you homeschool, but you'll also go to another school too. Is that? We do. Yeah. We do. We, we are, we live in a, a, a great area for homeschooling. We've, we've homeschooled from the beginning. Um, I would not tell people it's for everyone. It was definitely a call in our lives. God led us to, but one of the gifts of living where we live is that there are lots of options and we are part of a, a private school called Circle Christian School. And we're able to, um, have our girls attend that school, but um, as a homeschool family. Mm. So because of that, we get to, um, they go, took, they have an option of taking classes. So my my youngest girls go one, one whole day a week, and my oldest is going to be taking some cafeteria-style classes as far as, like, she's going to take math and science, and as things get harder and beyond my teaching ability, <laughs> we are there. Yeah. I will report and going into our sophomore year, we have, we have surpassed what I recall about chemistry. Man. So, um, so it's a blessing. And, um, I have that, um, that wonderful option and get a little break during the week where I don't have to be driving the education train, so to speak. So it's a, it's a wonderful thing. So we're very grateful. Awesome. So you, but you have girls around a lot and, mm-hmm. um, in the last couple years you've had some hard things happen um, and had to process those things, grieve and suffer in the midst of continuing to mother and minister and write books. And um, so I would just really love uh, for you to kind of walk us through a little bit of what's gone on in your life. And then um, we'll get into maybe some help you can give moms who might find themselves um, in, in situations where they're trying to process emotions and moms. So, um, what, uh, could you share a little bit about what's mm-hmm. been going on? Absolutely. I, I also, um, part of my world online is I'm, I'm a writer and I wrote, co-wrote a book about a year. Well, mm. we started about three years ago called hope for the weary mom. Some of your listeners might be familiar with that. Um, and, and I, um, so I can make sure I get my dates right. About a year and a half ago, last January, my co-author and I, Brooke McLaughlin, started our third revision of that book. So, 
So at the time we were rewriting Hope for the Worry Mom, both Brooke and I were experiencing um, many different types of storms. But personally, for me, uh, my dad, who had battled cancer for about five years previous, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Mm. We went in um, the week that we signed our contract for Hope for the Weary Mom with Harvest House um, was when we got the news that my dad was going to be having emergency surgery. Mm. So that first weekend in February of 2014, um, I flew home to be with my parents um, in what I would describe as probably um, one of the most terrifying weekends of my my whole life, just mm. getting on a plane at 4 a.m. not knowing if I was going to see my dad again. It was mm. it was um it was a it was a really hard weekend. Mm. Um I remember specifically the feeling that I didn't want to go. Mm. And, and it was a strange feeling because I loved my dad very much. But I was I was really scared to go. Mm. But I knew I knew that I needed to be there. And so when I got to the hospital and to the waiting room with all our friends and family. And um, my dad came through that surgery actually and amazingly and got to see him soon after. And um, it was it was a miracle. The Lord had really just bent down and um, done a, a, a great work. In fact, that, that Saturday or Sunday of that weekend, I left. Um, my dad was sitting up. He was talking. He was arguing with me about paying for my plane ticket and <laughs> You know, as dads yeah, do, I yeah. want to pay for that. And yeah. um, I assured him I was okay to pay for it myself. And um, he said, you know, get home to the girls and to Mike and tell them I love them. And, and I left. And, and that was the last time I saw my dad alive. Mm. And that was the first weekend in February. Mm. About, mm, golly, I guess it's been, it was about six weeks after that, um, on March 25th, my dad died suddenly of what we think was probably a pulmonary embolism. Mm. So he had went from his brain surgery to have radiation Mm. um, and was actually doing really well and was going to start chemo the next day, but he died suddenly. And so when I tell people my story, um, sometimes I think it, it surprises them that I knew he had cancer and I probably in the back of my mind didn't know if he was going to make it through the brain tumor or the the cancer of the brain because that Mm. was going to be a big challenge. My dad was a he was a fighter mm. and he had fought so hard. I think in the back of my mind, I knew that this might be it, but we didn't expect his death to be so sudden. Yeah. And all that that involves, um, if any of you have experienced sudden death, it's, it's, it's just a shock. Yeah. And I didn't even realize I was in shock until after everything transpired and I got home and read something about shock. And I realized, Oh, that's what I've been feeling. Yeah. You know, that's what I've been going through. So, um, so in that time frame when he had his his surgery to the time that he died was we were just crazy busy at our house. My husband traveled for about 20 days out of country. Mm. I was writing hope in the crevices of my life. Um, and I mentioned that because if you ever read the book, uh, just to know the storms that were swirling as we were writing that was profound. Yeah. And um so the the message of that book means so much more to me than it ever could because of what I was going through at the time and experienced after. Yeah. So it's not just like I, a bunch of trite statements. I mean, you all were it's, literally weary and seeking true hope. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um it was born out of a very hard hard time. It, it was a time of great storm. And yeah. so um so I had come off a very busy season anyway, but then to walk in to, um, in fact, um, if you know part of my story, we were that the day my dad passed was it was spring break and everything had finally kind of stopped. The crazy had stopped. 
my girls and I were getting ready to walk out the door and I got that phone call Mm. uh, from my uncle. And so everything just came to a complete stop um, Mm. in my life that day. And, and, and really what I've learned in the time since then is um, what it's like to grieve, um, to lose someone that you love dearly, to walk through that um, as a daughter, but also as a, as a mom. Um, I've learned a lot about God's grace and his mercy applied in our really broken places and how he shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of what sets up my story and how God met me um, in a time when I finally just sat down and said, I, I don't have anything left. I don't know. I didn't know how to function in that space. Yeah. And, um, and so that was about a year ago when I was really walking through the depths of that despair. And so day to day, day to day, your girls need to be fed, clothes have to be washed, and you just like want to just go away and have a mm-hmm. moment to think, what did you do? What books did you read? What, what things did you find most helpful when you were trying to process in the midst of the dailiness? Mm. That's a really good question, Heather. Um, first of all, I want to say, um, as a as a Christian, I, I truly believe that God writes our grief story. It's, mm. it's very individual. So I want to encourage um, your listeners that um, their story may be very different. I love that God is very personal with us. And mm. so there may be um, threads through my story that resonate, but it may not be it doesn't have to be the same. You know, God is, he draws near to us and he's very individual. And so some of the things that I um, experienced may not resonate with them. But for me in those first days, um, it was a real unfamiliar place because I'm a, I'm a relator and an encourager and I, I, I'm a doer. And so I, I really literally, first of all, had to be a receiver Mm-hmm. I had to let people do things for me that felt super uncomfortable. Now, my parents lived in Indiana and I live in Central Florida. So part of what had to happen was functionally getting my family from point A to point B mm-hmm. in those first those first hours. And um, the body of Christ was just profoundly beautiful to me in that time. People gave money, mm-hmm. sent money. Uh, people brought, they just came together to help get us get us home. And so the first thing I had to do was be willing to receive. Um, and that also, when we got back, a lot of my local friends, because the funeral wasn't here, um, they wanted to bring food later. So it, and I remember feeling guilty saying, Oh, but I can cook. But there was a specific group of women, um, that said, no, 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 we're going to bring you some, something. And so, um, I just said, Oh, okay. And I remember upon receiving it thinking, I'm so glad they insisted because it was a blessing. It was a true blessing. But at the time I, I remember thinking, Oh, I should, I should be able to cook for my family. It's not like not, there's no funeral this week or, you know, it's just day-to-day life. Right. But, um, I had to, first I had to learn how to receive mm-hmm. from those that wanted to help. And so that was one thing that was hard as far as functioning. Um, it was, a, it was in March. And so we still had several weeks of school left. Yeah. And I remember just feeling, um, just kind of, uh, like I couldn't think clearly. I was in a fog. I, a friend of mine, um, sent me this and I'm probably going to butcher the word, it's a French word. It's, and I think it's boulevousset. It looks like boulevousser, but I think it's boulevousset that talked about that when you go through something like that, it's a, it, it means a total upheaval, mm. an upset, an absolute reorientation to the way that you knew life before. Mm. So my world had been flipped. And so I didn't know how to 
how do I teach my girls or how do I even get motivated to do much more than just feed and clothe them? And so around that time, I had a meeting with one of our school directors and she was talking with me. And what she did in a very short sentence was just give me permission to do only what I had to do, that I could let go of all those expectations of you have to do, school has to look this way or life has to look this way. She just said, you know what? You only do what you absolutely can. And it was it was the gift of permission to pull back yeah. and to not feel the expectations of what I had to do. Mm. And the other thing that I heard during that time that was really key was from my mom um, that it said in the beginning stages of grief, it's, it's okay to take a vacation from your life. Mm. And so that's really what I applied is my girls and I, we slept later. Yeah. We stayed in our pajamas. Um, we cuddled. We sat on the couch more. We read. There were days I just read to them. Mm. Um, we we didn't set any academic records in the last four or five weeks of school last year, but I will tell you that they passed all their tests yeah. and they they completed what was necessary. But it wasn't. Um, it wasn't. You know, we didn't. We kind of fell across the finish line. But that's okay in that season. It's t- it's normal, and. Um, and and so those were in those early days what um, meant the, the most is to receive and to give myself permission to let life fall back, to say no, pull back from – and to just tell people, no, I can't show up and serve. No, I can't. I can't do that. I just needed to draw my people close and just let the Lord minister specifically to our hearts in that time. When I think about the model that you gave your girls – you know, the learning doesn't always have to be a book learning that they got to see the reality of grief and the reality of um, you healing so that it doesn't, you know, come out in other ways later that they got to be a part of it and included instead of pushed away um, mm-hmm. so that you could grieve silently and in, in your own. I mean, I'm sure there were times, but mm-hmm. that they were included in that a little is, is really I think special. I think sometimes we think we have to separate it from our kids. And so I think that's a great example. I love picturing y'all in your pajamas on the couch reading books. <laughs> like, Well, what's interesting um, is you, you, we talked a lot in those early days. Um, all my children dealt with it differently. Mm. My youngest, who at the time was four, yeah. um, she talked and still to this day talks about my dad very, a lot. Mm. Um, she needed to talk about him and, mm. and just in well, grandpa this and what, and she wanted, what was grandpa doing? And, and, and she just, it was like, she just needed to keep his name in the conversation. And there were times when that was hard yeah. because I was hurting and I, it was hard for me to, um, break it down to a four-year-old level. Mm. Um, but she really needed to talk. Um, some of my girls were really silent. Mm. Um, they didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, some of them were very expressive in their grief. And um, it was, I, in that time, I just tried to let them be. And if they wanted to talk, I made myself available. Um, but they knew that um, I was hurting. I, I didn't hide it from them. Um, there were definitely times they they maybe didn't quite identify or understand as deeply, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, but I did um, did my best to let them walk that with me. And, and the same thing with kids are amazing is they're very present. Mm. And so I remember when we were driving home from my my mom's house, um, we ended up in getting my dad had an old beat up truck that my mom wanted us to have. And so my husband drove the truck and I drove the girls home from Indiana. And um, kids are just, they're just so present and they pull you into their world. And mm-hmm. I remember crying my way home, but there were many moments where we were laughing hysterically over silly things that they, silly songs they would start and 
there was just so, I mean, what is it? The quote from the movie, there's so much healing when you uh, laughter through tears is the best kind of tears, you know? Um, so I remember that as well, that my kids really helped keep me present. I think if I had shut them off from that, I think I would have missed out on a large part of the healing process. Yeah. Even just having to verbalize to your four-year-old, you know, that there's something that was there. Yeah. That's really good stuff, Stacey. Yeah. Mm. Um, so friends brought meals, mm-hmm. friends paid their way, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I mean, it's again, things that we don't think matter, but not having to have financial worry, not having to worry about where the next meal is coming from, mm-hmm. you know, what were other, other things if, if a person is not the one grieving, but their friend is, what advice would you give to them? What was the most helpful besides the things you already mentioned? Well, I think, I think, um, being a person of action and, um, you know, sending a note, um, loving them with a Starbucks card or, you know, sweet gifts, just remembering with them, letting, um, your grieving friend talk when they want to talk, being available, Mm -hmm. not feeling like, um, you have to say something super profound, um, you know, the things that meant the most. Um, and I remember it clearly as uh, one of the messages I got from you, Heather, is you were crying mm. for me. Mm. And I remember thinking how touched I was to hear that um, my grief broke you as well. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we feel like we have, when we reach out to a grieving friend, we have to be the positive one or we have to be the, have a happy story or we have to have a real, like a, even a Bible bullet, if you will, but I think we just have to say, I'm sorry, and I'm praying for you. Those words mean they carry so much weight in the life of a grieving person. Yeah. And it's okay to say, you know, I hate this. I'm so, you know, this is hard. And, you know, um, even, even people that say things that don't help, at least they say something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't be afraid to enter into that space of a, a grieving friend, because I, I have found, um, you know, when God takes you through something like this, you start seeing, you start realizing a lot more people are grieving than you ever knew. Oh, I didn't know you lost your dad or I didn't know your mom passed away several years ago. Like yeah. it connects they you. And then yeah. they, yeah. And, and when, when you're willing to share your story as well, um, it really does knit your hearts together. So I would say, um, don't be afraid to enter into their grief and don't feel like you have to have all the answers. I mean, I certainly been through it and I don't have all the answers, um, but just to be, to let the Lord use you in their lives. And, um, and he certainly will, if you're available. I think that, you know, what happened, you were going through that and a a real, a a friend here in Dallas, her mother-in-law who was, you know, very present in -hmm. their lives. um, Her mother-in-law died overnight and mm-hmm. it was it was so helpful for me to have walked through it with you so that immediately i knew what to say what to do and and that one thing to do was to drive up to the funeral mm-hmm. it was you know 40 miles 40 miles north of dallas um mm-hmm. and she still talks about how she didn't she didn't know because mm-hmm. it's the first time she'd lost a parent of some kind Mm-hmm. She didn't know that on that day she would want to see familiar faces mm-hmm. and the power that that had. And um, that as she was grieving to see us mm-hmm. grieving with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, now I'm mm-hmm. going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that, um, you know, 
there's just a, there's the, it's the power of with it's standing with someone and that's hard. I'm telling you, that's hard to, to, to be that person to walk into that funeral home because it's, it really, um, clarifies moments for you and it can bring some fears into your heart. Like, Oh, what if I have to go through this and how would I handle it? But being on, again, on the receiving end of that. So I grew up in this little bitty town in Indiana. Um, and like I said, my, my, my online friends and my local friends couldn't be there because that's, you know, they live all over the country. And so they did what they could. Um, but my, my family and friends from where I grew up, I saw people I hadn't seen for 20, 25 years. And, and I had friends for that. I went to school with that came that drove an hour that did what you were able to do because they were close enough to do that. Um, a couple friends who came not only to the the calling, the viewing, but they stayed overnight and came to the funeral, followed us to the cemetery. I mean, they were just present and they didn't ask anything of me. They didn't, right. I didn't need to go talk to them. They were, they were just present. Yeah. There's so, I mean, and you can't always do that. That's no. for sure. But if the Lord allows you that opportunity, um, it is so, it's so important because there's nothing like getting a hug in person or someone passing you a mint because your mouth is dry or a (laughs) tissue, or can I bring you a diet Coke? I mean, those things sound really trivial, but when you're in that moment and you've talked to, I mean, it's the viewing for my dad, cause he was a well-loved man. It was, it was about five hours of nonstop people. Mm. And so uh, a family friend of ours kept bringing me diet Coke and it became kind of, we kind of laughed about it, but every time I reached down, there was a fresh diet Coke. And so it was just being there. I mean, it's a Coke, you know, it's, it's not like deep scripture. It's just the power of with, and it is so important. If you can be that for a friend, God will bless you tremendously in that moment as well, but you will never know what it means until you're on that other side to see that person. And so what makes me think I, I, I just finished that um, Nobody's Cuter Than You by Melanie Schenkel. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the end is, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a funeral involved. And um, how Melanie, her re- first response was to take black dresses and accessories over to her best friend. Uh-huh. Um, so she wouldn't have to think about what to wear. But, you know, that was that was their common language of just caring for each other. Um, even in the things that may seem trivial, but... Um, they're not. They're not. And you yeah. have to make those decisions. And making decisions when you're grieving is not easy. So yeah. I can see how much that would have meant in that moment. Yeah, just I, you know, up. Yeah, help them pack. Yeah, just bring you something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bring you something to wear because I don't want to make that decision. Yeah, yeah. For sure. You know, Heather, I wanted to add, you yeah. had asked about a book that, any books yeah, that yes. I read. Oh, and there's a good uh, one you have. Yeah. Well, there is one. Uh, before I mention that, there I read one years ago okay. uh, by um, Nancy Guthrie called Holding On to Hope. Mm. which is an unbelievable story of her story of loss and her walk through the book of Job. And I, but I read it years ago. I did not return to it in this past year. Um, but that is, it was a gift at a time of a different kind of loss. I hadn't lost someone physically, but had lost something that was important to me. Um, so that is a beautiful book okay. um, by Nancy Guthrie, very biblically based. Um, the book that I read in the past year that, really helped me through the actual stages of shock and grief um, is a book called I Wasn't Ready to Say Goodbye. Mm-hmm. And it's by uh, Brooke Knoll and Pamela Blair, I believe it is. Um, it is not a faith-based book. It's not anti-faith, but it's more um, it's more from a psychological type perspective. Yeah. But it 
it was exactly what I needed to read. And that was really what I was reading when I realized I was in shock Mm -hmm. and how shock behavior acts a little bit differently and it lasts different times than grief. It takes a different path. And, and that book just helped me realize that, oh, this thing that I'm feeling and struggling through is normal. And, um, it's a, it's a very long book. I don't even know that I finished the whole thing, but it was profoundly helpful for me in those early days of, I didn't, I didn't need a lot of fluff. I just needed someone to tell me how to function. Well, and uh, to say and that just, what you're feeling is normal. This right. is what, this is what's happening now. And then this will happen next. And, and then it's not odd that you're feeling these feelings. It, it yeah. definitely, definitely was. And scripturally, you know, of course, Psalms 23 was, um, was an impact. Um, it also spent some time in the book of Hosea too, mm-hmm. um, chapter two, where he talks about being in the Valley of Acre, which is, um, the Valley of Bitterness and that there's a door of hope. And, um, that, that, that passage was also really critical for me in the early days. Um, and, and just also things that people said, you know, um, were critical, but those were some places uh, scripturally, um, and, and also that book, which isn't a Christian book per se, but there's value. There's definitely value in it, especially if you've lost someone suddenly. So you went through uh, that in the last year, the grieving oh, and loss of your father and um, your book release and more books on the way. And uh, we were going to get together in person, live. Um, and the night before that, something happened. Yeah. A new level and different different kind of suffering um, and hardship. What happened there? Well, yeah. And that, that six weeks window that you were talking about, Hope for the Weary Mom came out again, super busy season with, um, marketing and talking about that book. Um, around that time, one of my girls, my third daughter, um, started just struggling with some health issues. And there were just several different things that when they all put together, when we finally landed where we did made sense. But I, as a mom of four, didn't connect all those dots. Well, <laughs> initially, we're just you know, happy when everyone has clothes on, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. And you don't panic about every little thing no. because you know it's you've got you've been through it. Yeah. So if yeah. it was my first daughter, I joke we would have been at the hospital right away. But mm-hmm. you know, by the third one, you're like, oh, you're fine. It's yeah. fine. We're going to be fine here. We'll take care of this. You know. Yeah. And so, um, my dad, the one year anniversary of my dad passing was um, March 25th. My mom was actually here with us during that week. It was an incredibly emotional week. Just so many thoughts stirred up. Well, and that's something uh, to be aware of, too, is if yes. your friend loses someone, mark it down on your calendar because yep. they will remember, and you want to be the friend that sends them the text or makes a phone call or sends them a sweet card. Um, even yep. the six months, don't you feel like? Six months. Uh, six holi- months. Was, first holidays. Yeah. Holidays, six months was huge. Yeah. And, and and let me just retro that quickly. Um, I didn't understand why six months was, I was right. Felt like I was right. I felt like I'd had a lot of healing, but six months took me really back to the beginning of my grieving and a friend who'd been through it, um, just casually mentioned to me, Hey, you know, six months was really hard for me. And I was like, really? And she said, you know, that's about as long as I'd ever gone without her. It was her mom that had passed. She said, that's about as long as I'd ever gone without seeing my mom. Mm. And it all just made sense. I thought, oh my goodness, that's, yeah. that's, that's why it felt real at six yeah. months more yeah. so than ever. So yes, yeah, six months was, was a very, it was a deep valley. And then the year anniversary was, um, yeah. you know, you prepare for those things, you know, but around that time, so my heart was really emotional and tender and exhausted and all those things from the book and 
trying to walk with my mom and not knowing how to walk with her through that and um, remembering but moving forward. And um, so there was a lot swirling in our lives. Um, but my daughter had been sick and um, it won, a couple different things had happened. She had um, passed out at church um, unexpectedly to which it was because she got overheated, but um, there were some other things going on at the time. Yeah. The following week she got the flu um, and I thought, oh, well, that's why she passed out. Yeah. <laughs> she was battling the flu. Yeah. Um, we got her on medicine. Things were going fine. Um, and she was recovering from that. Um, but we went ahead and had some blood work done on her. And that weekend, that week before I was supposed to come and see you, yeah. which I was very excited about, by the way, um, she had some blood work on Wednesday, uh, Thursday night, like at midnight. So I was supposed to leave at 6 a.m. the next morning. So six hours before I was getting on a plane our doctor called us and said that we needed to take her to the hospital immediately, that her hemoglobin was um, at a point where it was dangerous mm-hmm. and dangerously low, that she wouldn't function much longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor thing. So, you know, those kind of calls tend to shake you to the core. And um, we, I didn't even know. I remember being feeling very similar to how I did when my dad passed is, well, how do I do this? What do I do? Like, how do yeah. you do this? How do you just leave? Yeah. Bless, bless my my 15 year old who is super mature, um, handled it with grace and, um, her cell phone in hand. And so we took our little, our, 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 at that time she was eight to the hospital and, um, went through a week of craziness. It was so many tests in, um, in those first few hours of not knowing, we didn't know if, um, her illness was life threatening, if it was, um, chronic, if it, we didn't know what was going on. And, um, through so many tests that no child should ever have to go through um, and very diligent doctors, um, we found out the problem, but not before um, things like blood transfusions and lots of sticks with needles and medicines and everything. And and, and she has been diagnosed with a chronic um, um, autoimmune disorder. Mm. And so that has left us with a new normal. Um, but in those early days, um, be, while we were in the hospital again, um, it wasn't, I remember thinking at the time, there was a moment I was in the, um, in her room. My husband had went home to be with my other girls once we got our daughter settled mm-hmm. and she was sleeping and I was not, yeah. <laughs> I was busy, not sleeping. Yeah. I was wrestling. I was wrestling with yeah. the Lord. Yeah. And, um, I, Heather, I couldn't think of one scripture. Like I couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't think my brain mm-hmm. just, and I was tired. Yeah. I couldn't call to mind. And you know, there's, you have that guilt. Like I, I'm a Christian. I should be able to remember like one verse yeah. to pop up, you know? Oh, I told, um, I remember being in labor once and I'm like, I've got nothing except for, I though I nothing. walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Literally. That was the only, I'm like, Bruce, I need something. Where's give it, look it up anywhere. You version. I don't even give care. Me give me something it besides the valley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, but at that time, the only thing I could think of was, um, when the centurion came to Jesus mm. and his servant was sick mm. and he said, you don't even have to come. Mm. Just say it, just say it, Jesus. And mm. so for like, I don't know, like an hour, it seemed like I just said, just say it, Jesus, just say it. Mm. I couldn't, I couldn't think even at the time I was confused. Was it his daughter, his servant? You know, I yeah. couldn't remember the whole story. I looked it up later. Um, and so I prayed that over and over again, mm. but I wrestled hard with the Lord. Um, but the same truth that God walked me through in losing my dad, um, which a friend had lent to me in the very beginning, um, was he holds all things together, which is mm-hmm. Colossians 117. Mm-hmm. And that is covers all of that. It covers the loss of your 
father, your children, your home, financial ruin, all of that, because all things means all things. He holds all things together. Even mamas in rooms where babies are sick and you don't know what's going on. Like I physically felt him holding me together. Mm. And so, um, praise the Lord, uh, as people began to wake in the early morning hours and pray, um, you really do sense that as the people of God start praying. And mm-hmm. I began to feel strengthened and, um, and hope stirring. And, um, as the doctor started revealing more of what they knew, um, just steadily walk through that. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a dark valley as a parent when your kids are sick and you feel like it might be your fault or you feel like, oh, I should have known. I should have known. How did I miss that? You know, Mm -hmm. there's that you fight with guilt and you fight all those different things. And now um, on this side of it, where we're taking medication that she's going to be on God aside healing her for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's a hard fought journey as well. And it's a different kind of exhausting. Yeah. Um, we are grateful that the Lord has um, brought us where he has, and she feels so much better. Mm. But those same truths that God is present with us when your life gets thrown upside down, um, that he doesn't leave us and that he does draw us near and minister deeply to us in our personal times of need. Um, you know, we, we saw that, Completely. And again, the body of Christ, again, I can't stress enough, the people that came, the people that texted, the people that prayed. There was a there was a prayer chain for our daughter mm-hmm. that um, our dear friend Brooke set up. Um, it yeah. was worldwide. We had people t- messaging us from Thailand and wow. Madagascar and um, New Zealand. Like there were people literally all over the world wow. praying for, for my daughter. Mm. And that is, as a mom it's just overwhelming. Like even just thinking about it makes me realize how blessed, how blessed we were in that moment. But the key to that is God enter. He doesn't, when you are broken and you are hurting and you have no clue how to walk through something, he does not abandon you. He stays with you. He holds you together. And scripture tells us that he will never, never leave you. Never, never, never forsake you. And that is a hundred percent absolutely true. Even when you can't quote it. (laughs) (laughs) Even when you don't have the words in your head. Even when the words fly, Mm. it is still true because his truth is true no matter what, even in your darkest hour, for sure. And when you said all things means all things. Yeah. All the things, whatever anyone who's listening, whatever their thing is, he's Mm -hmm. holding it. And I know I can testify even the little things, a broken air conditioner, um, mm. A little, um, you know, flat tire, little things mm. that are bumps in our, in our days that disrupt what we thought our plan was. You thought you were going on a trip. Mm-hmm. You thought your daughter would be fine. And mm-hmm. there's a disruption and it is not comfortable. It is not convenient. It is not in our control. But what I'm finding is there's grace in it. He always mm. makes a way. Mm-hmm. He makes a way, whether it's one more one more prayer from a friend who's interceding, one more conversation, one more scripture that does come to mind. You know, he provides the grace to walk through whatever it is. The Mm -hmm. fact that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't Mm -hmm. even smell of smoke. They were Mm -hmm. in a fiery furnace, y'all. I mean, Mm -hmm. that is not comfortable or convenient or in their control, but he made a way out. And um, I just, I think that the testimony of your testimony and just, 
more of these stories that even if, even if, um, will God still be God and will he be with me? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think too, um, the other thing that I've learned through both these stories, um, and this again was a, a good friend who'd been through it. Um, Lisa Joe Baker had messaged me and, um, she said, um, you know, the only way through is through. Mm. And so a lot of times when we hit a trial or we, we lose someone, we just want to quit. We yeah. want to stop. Yeah. But, and I remember grabbing my mom's hand in those very early days when my dad died. And she said, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. And mm. I said, I don't want to undo it either. Mm. You know, you don't want to say goodbye to someone you love. But I said, we're going to get through it. We're going to go through it together. And we know that Jesus is going to do it with us. And so mm. it's just realizing you don't have to figure out how am I going to get through it all. You just have to go through the next thing. Yeah. So the same applied with my daughter as I was sitting in the ER thinking, how am I going to do this, this big, yeah. horrible, awful thing? And we just had to get through the next thing. And maybe that was just getting our blood drawn. Or maybe that was just listening and talking to one more doctor or getting her you know, through another round of tests, it was just, you just have to realize that it's, you have to, you do have to go through, but you don't ever go alone. Mm. And it it sounds like a, a, an old hymn, I'm sure, (laughs) but it, and it's not, it sounds easy and it's not. And I don't say it lightly Mm -mm. that when you want everything within you wants to run, boy, did I want to get on that plane and come to Texas (laughs) (laughs) when I was standing in that hospital, I didn't want to go through, Mm. but with, with, with Christ in your life and knowing that we know how this all ends in the end, we know he holds all things together. Mm. I'd walked it as I'd lost my dad. Even that didn't end the way that I wanted it to, but God is still good. And he walks us through and we can, we can walk with him and we can find him in that grace that you mentioned, Heather, Mm. um, in the middle of it. Um, and it's hard, but boy, the, the growth and the grace is it's beautifully stunning in those moments. Um, I have learned so much um, in just in the past few weeks about trust and um, how he shows up in our messy places. He just keeps showing up. I think, and I'll say this, and I promise I'll stop talking. Um, <laughs> I used to think that we had a trial in our life and we passed the test and we moved on. Like right. up there, I, I passed that test. Woo, just like, you know, just like college, you walked out of a class, you were done with algebra yeah, or whatever. Yeah, A plus, um, A plus. Yeah, woo, did it. Or like C, whatever. <laughs> but I have learned, and I think, you know, I've walked with the Lord since I was about nine years old. Um, as you mature, it's not, you don't get to move on. It, it You move deeper. Yeah. So for me, I keep seeing these similar tests show up in my life. Yep. And it's not like, well, you passed it, you get to pass and move on. It's okay, you passed that, you get to move deeper. And yep. in that deeper, it's maturity yep. over time that God is developing in your life. Um, and you find yourself saying, oh, Lord, didn't we go through this? <laughs> Haven't I dealt with this before? Haven't I'm done, right? Yeah. And he says, yeah, but you know what? This this is a greater work. It's a deeper work. And um, Someone, and so someone I, told it to me it's like a spiral. So you draw a line on one side of that spiral. That's your thing. And you just are going, you know, either up it, getting better, whatever your analogy wants to be, or you're going deeper, your analogy, but you're hitting it every time you go loop around. Yeah. Um, And it's right there, that issue. Uh, It's the same. Yeah. Yeah. But his grace just grows. And the more you press into him and you you grab that richness of um, leaning on him. And I think it's a spiral because, you know, the Lord knows 
we can't be held to that fire continually. No, I think no. we do have those times we come through and we have that, that lull where we are led beside those still waters and, and he refreshes our soul, but it loops back because he cares that much. He doesn't want to leave us. Mm. He wants us to mature because what's the goal? The goal is that when we see him, we will be like him. Yeah. And so when we, as my dad has so beautifully done, we grab his nail scarred hand, we're, we're going to know him because we've walked with him for so long through the pit and the valleys and all the trials that come about in this, this side of heaven. Um, and maybe we'll think twice before writing a book called Hope for the Weary Moms. <laughs> maybe yeah, we'll maybe that, we'll not write that book anymore. Um, yeah, well, it's been written three times. Yeah, so okay. It well, let's stop. Maybe not a fourth edition. <laughs> maybe now you're going to write a new book, and um, hopefully you don't have to learn anything else with that. Well, we're we're still writing in the broken places, and there's there's healing for writers in that as well. Yeah, so right. Uh-huh. He keeps um he keeps reminding me that I. I write, I write through things to understand them yeah. and uh, he uses all of it. So um, it's not like you've arrived, right? Yeah. Oh, God. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stacy, I just like you so much. Can you, can we just fly you out again to Texas? When are we going to do that? I, I got to figure that out. I've, I've yeah. still got that ticket running a hole. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll accept you. And, um, I'm so thankful to share you with everyone listening and, Make sure y'all connect with Stacy uh, and follow her and what she's doing, what she's writing, and definitely check out Hope for the Weary Mom if you haven't yet. And uh, they, they also, y'all crank out different resources too if they get on your mailing list. Y'all mm-hmm. just had a vi- video series and yep, lots think, of stuff going on. I think this is going to get published after your big sale, but maybe there'll be another sale of the mm-hmm. book. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. Probably. Awesome. Probably. You never know with those publishers. that's true true. well thanks Stacey I hope you all um, just feel God's pleasure and uh, we just appreciate you and sharing your testimony well thanks for having me Heather it's been a it's been an honor to talk with you I love you friend love you more I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 317, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.